Hey everyone, welcome back to The Haunted Corner. I'm Ashton, and today I have a little palette cleanser for you all. This is the spin-off episode of The Haunted Corner called Humor Me This. This is part two. So, you all really liked the last episode, so I'm back with some more funny headlines, weird things that I've discovered on the internet, Anything that I think that you guys might be interested in and wherever my mind might have taken me this past month. So buckle up and let's get into it. The first article is a CBS article that's titled Couple Work to Unearth Secrets of Lost Mayan Civilization. And it reads, quote, an American couple is using advanced technology to unearth an ancient civilization that might hold the key to building the cities of the future. Diane and Arlen Chase share a lifetime commitment to exploring. In 1985, the pair came to the ruins of Caracal, an ancient Mayan city in Belize that was first discovered in 1937, and that includes the country's highest structure. Diane Chase said when they first arrived, there was, quote, no architecture visible, quote, and it looked like simple hillside. Since then, they have excavated over 400 buildings and uncovered hundreds of thousands of artifacts. At first, they relied on traditional archaeological methods but that all changed in 2009 when they were able to try a revolutionary technology called LIDAR, an airborne laser mapping system that can see through trees and reveal hidden spots that might otherwise have taken decades to discover. Adrian Chase, the couple's son, gave CBS News a demonstration revealing how the technology can make it seem like the area is nothing but bare earth and provide a sense of different structures in the landscape. He said, quote, When we saw the results of LiDAR, it was phenomenal, because all of a sudden we had control of space. We could see where the structures were and where they were not underneath those trees. It's equivalent in our minds to radiocarbon dating. Radiocarbon dating gives us control of time. LIDAR could give us control of space in the Maya era, end quote. Learning about the city of Caracal does more than inform about the past. The Chases said that it could also be an inspiration for urban planners today. Quote, if you look at how Caracal is built, it is an incredibly planned city. I think we could learn something from the plan. It's a walkable city. It's a green city. The reservoirs are located so that folks have access. There are fields near almost every house. In addition to that, almost everyone can get to a market, end quote. Diane Chase explained. The area isn't entirely urban. There are also what Diane Chase described as suburbs or residential sites. Some of those sites were discovered with the LIDAR technology. In this excavation, the chases are looking for architecture that can tell them how many people lived in this areas in the area's homes. The dig is done by hand, Diane Chase said, the way that some of the homes were first built. 
almost as oppressive as the uncovered ruins is the teamwork between the chases. The two even finish each other's sentences. Quote, we work really well together, Diane Chase said. Some people say, how can you work with your husband or how can you work with your wife? Not knowing us, of course, and we are a good team. End quote. I thought that was really cool, and I'm definitely going to be following up on that. However, the next headline that I found gave me a little bit of pause. This one is another CBS News article that reads, quote, American tourist disappears while visiting ancient Mayan city. Oh, boy. So the article reads, quote, an American tourist visiting the ancient Mayan city of Tikal has disappeared. Raymond Vincent Ashcroft was visiting the temple ruins on February 3rd when he suddenly vanished, Guatemalan authorities said. The park, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, is located in a remote jungle in northern Guatemala's Petén province. Ashcroft was reported missing to the authorities at 2 p.m., and a search party comprised of police, agents from the tourist civil authority, and soldiers were sent out to look for the 66-year-old tourist, authorities said. His wife, Van Fung, told local media her husband of 40 years was on a vacation with a bird-watching group when he decided to return to their hotel room. She stayed behind to take photos of an alligator and birds before returning to look for her husband. Ashcroft has been missing for seven weeks. The Guatemalan authorities notified Interpol, which facilitates law enforcement cooperation across borders, who issued a yellow notice. Yellow notices are issued to help locate missing persons, often minors, or to help identify persons who are unable to identify themselves. Tikal, one of the most important Mayan archaeological complexes, was inhabited from the 6th century BC to the 10th century AD and sits in a protected area of 57,600 hectares, according to UNESCO. Temple and palace remains are visited by 200,000 people yearly, said World Heritage Outlook. In 2022, German tourist Stephen Beitz, 53, was found dead at the park. His body was recovered two days after he went missing, local media reported, and he died of a heat stroke. Up next, an article from allthatsinteresting.com titled, A New Study Revealed That Mushrooms Communicate With Each Other Using a 50-Word Vocabulary. Who knew? Am I right? It says, quote, mushrooms are still amongst the most mysterious and strange organisms on the planet. And for the most of history, they were largely misunderstood. In fact, the term mycology wasn't coined until the 1830s. And even then, the true nature of fungi didn't start to come to light until the advent of modern biochemistry. As such, scientists are regularly learning new information about these fascinating organisms. A paper published this year in the Royal Society Open Science Journal identified a startling new discovery. Mushrooms within the same mycelium network talk. And they talk often. 
same. <laughs> Assuming the spikes of electrical activity are used by fungi to communicate, we demonstrate that distribu distributions of fungal world links match that of human languages, end quote. So the study's lead author, Andrew Adamatsky, quote, we discovered the size of the fungal vocabulary can be up to 50 words. However, the core vocabulary of most frequently used words does not exceed 15 to 20 words, end quote. Adamatsky and his team used electrodes to measure the electrical spikes emitted by mushrooms, likening these spikes to human speech, at least for the sake of comparison. He said, quote, We do not know if there is a direct relationship between the spiking patterns in fungi and human speech. On the other hand, there are many similarities in information processing and living substrates of different classes, families, and species. I was just curious to compare, end quote. This guy sounds like me. Like, well, I was just curious, okay? <laughs> so up next, we have a very recent headline that may have made your news feed this week. It says, quote, two inmates were found at an IHOP in Virginia after escaping by digging a hole with tools made from a tool toothbrush and a metal object, officials say. This is a CNN article. It says, quote, two inmates who escaped from a Newport News, Virginia jail by digging out and scaling a wall were found at a nearby IHOP hours later Tuesday, officials say. The Newport News jail annex discovered the two inmates, John M. Garza, 37, and Arlie V. Nen Nemo, no, Nemo, <laughs> Nemo, 43, missing during a routine head count around 7 p.m. Monday night. You can tell I cold read these because y'all are getting my full feelings right now. His name is Nemo. What? Okay, so they found these two missing during a routine head count around 7 p.m. Monday night, the Newport News Sheriff's Office said in a news release. The pair had dug a hole through one of the jail's walls using, quote, primitive made tools, end quote, that they constructed out of a toothbrush and metal object. The Sheriff's Office said a, prim a preliminary investigation revealed. Those tools helped them access untied rebars in the wall, which they then used for the rest of their escape, the agency added. After getting out, the two encountered containment walls and had to scale a wall to leave the area, the release says. Garza and Nemo were later found on Tuesday morning at an IHOP in Hampton, Virginia, where they were arrested by police. So... Yikes. They didn't have to look far to find Nemo. Okay, I'm going to show myself out. Sorry. The article continues, quote, I'm thankful for the citizens who observed Garza and Nemo at the IHOP and notified law enforcement. It reinforcements what we always say. See something, say something, end quote. Sheriff Gabe Morgan said in the news release. <laughs> I cannot. 
The sheriff's office said they have a team of officers and city facility engineers reviewing the incident and how to, quote, mitigate the aforementioned facility weakness, end quote. Facility weakness. That's one way to put it. Garza was in custody on charges, including contempt of court, probation violations, and failure, failure to appear. Nemo was being held on charges of running away from his dad and touching the butt. Okay, no, just kidding. It was charges of credit card fraud, credit card larceny, forgery, possession of burglary tools, grand larceny, contempt of court, and probation violation, according to the sheriff's office. A criminal and internal investigation is underway by the sheriff's office to, quote, minimize the chances of such an event happening again, end quote, the release says. Charges related to the escape are pending for both inmates, according to the sheriff's office. Up next, we have an another allthatsinteresting.com article titled, Ohio Man Calls Police accuses them of stealing his weed, and then demands the police return it. This article reads, quote, A recent call to Ohio's Sharonville Police Department had officers in high spirits when a marijuana user accused the department of having stolen his weed. Ohio news outlet Fox 19 wrote that a man reported to the police department that officers had taken four grams of, quote, really good fucking weed, end quote, from him and his wife. The audio recording of the man's outburst, was, which was published on the department's Facebook, features the caller on an out-of-control rant laced with profanity as he demanded his prestige weed back from the police. Quote, hi, the recording begins. Quote, I need to do a complaint about two Sharonville cops. They stole my fucking weed last night. End quote. The receiver, miraculously unfazed by this statement, put the caller through to a department supervisor. <laughs> a supervisor. Sergeant Mark Dudelson took the call. The caller's identity was redacted from the published recording, but later referred to by a sergeant as Matthew, and he immediately launched into a tirade about his missing pot. Quote, I had two cops come here last night who stole my fucking weed, and I want it back, end quote, Matthew said. Instead of hanging up, Duddleson patiently heard the caller's gripes. The caller explained, that he and his wife were staying at a hotel when the cops were called to the location due to a noise complaint. Two cops showed up, and after discovering a small bag of marijuana in his wife's purse, seized it. The caller claimed that he had been asleep during the exchange between the authorities and his wife, and only found out that the marijuana had been confiscated once he had woken up. Priorities, man. He said, quote, it was only four grams, but it was really fucking good weed, end quote. The man pleaded. He then went on to challenge this seizure with what he believed Ohio's law states about marijuana. 
but from what I know, 100 grams is cool, right? Or am I wrong? The caller asked. You are wrong, Dettelson replied calmly. Quote, what do you mean? It's not, dude. Where have you been the past two months? End quote. The man asked, exasperated. Dettelson lets out a contained chuckle on the other line as Matthew continued to berate him. Could you not, Matthew? Finally, perhaps in an attempt to put a stop to the rant, Duddleson suggested that the caller come down to the police office to file an official complaint in person. He said, quote, no, this is fucking bullshit. I want my fucking weed back. When Buddleson tried to get the caller's wife's full name, presumably so he could check reports for mar- marijuana confiscation, the caller refused and sarcastically told him that his wife's name is Marilyn Manson. The entire call lasted five minutes. So, like, dude, <laughs> get a grip, okay? Now these last two are some lighter-hearted ones for you. This is another All That's Interesting article. Y'all might think that that's the only place that I get these stories. And it kind of is, because it's pretty dope. But this one is titled, Man Caught on Camera Breaking into Australian Museum to Take Selfies with Dinosaurs. And I really relate to this one, because this is something I might do. I'm a big fan of rocks and fossils. So this one says, quote, In the era of social distancing, spending a night at a museum to wander its halls and peace seems like a wonderful idea. Unfortunately, doing so while the museum is closed is considered a crime. It's unclear whether a 25-year-old man who recently broke into the Australian Museum in Sydney to take selfies in the dinosaur exhibit knew that. On May 10th, an adventurous German student at a local university illegally entered Australia's oldest museum at 1 a.m., According to The Guardian, the place has been closed since August of last year for renovations. The young man reportedly spent 40 minutes strolling around the shuttered museum and making himself at home. He stole a staffer's cowboy hat from a coat rack and blissfully posed in the open jaws of a T-Rex, apparently blind to the security cameras tracking his every move. It was therefore simple for New South Wales police to track him down. The force published the museum's CCTV footage online and asked the public for help. To his credit, Paul Kuhn turned himself in without objection. The 25-year-old then voluntarily appeared at a Surrey Hills police station and was subsequently charged with breaking and entering and refused bail. Meanwhile, the response from locals on social media has been nothing short of congratulation, congratulations and has been more focused on buying the man a beer than coordinating vigilante justice against him. According to Newsweek, Deputy Chief Inspector Sean Heaney of the New South Wales Police publicly reminded citizens 
that this isn't Ben Stiller's Night at the Museum and and that the real world repercussions await those who break the law. Like, yeah, Sean, we know. Quote, he certainly enjoyed his night in the museum, end quote, Heaney said. If this gentleman is watching, all I can say is it's not going to be a movie producer knocking on his door. NSW police will be knocking very shortly, end quote. Okay, Sean, we get it. You're not like the light of the party or whatever. Fortunately, the worst that Kuhn did at the museum was to remove a picture of unknown worth from the walls and leave with a staffer's cowboy hat. Okay, like, could you not steal stuff, though? I was on board until we started taking stuff. Fortunately, none of the 21 million priceless objects showcasing the environmental and cultural histories of Australia and the Pacific were damaged or removed. Phew. At one point, Kuhn even rang a doorbell for access to one of the locked rooms, suggesting his intentions were perhaps not nefarious. But Kuhn's bit of fun has nonetheless resulted in fairly serious consequences. The student was granted bail after a court hearing on Monday, but only on the condition that he surrender his passport and adhere to a curfew, which is punishment enough for any college student. So that article was amazing, and I kind of like that guy. Even though I don't recommend breaking into a museum or anywhere that you're not welcome, okay? You can take pictures of dinosaurs during business hours. Thank you. And now, I have something that may warm your heart like it warmed mine. The title of this article, this is an NBC News article, and it says, quote, Plan to return Lolita the Orca to home waters over 50 years after capture announced. So, yay! Okay, this article made me so happy. It says, quote, More than 50 years after Lolita the orca was captured in the Pacific Ocean and held for decades at the Miami Seaquarium, a plan to return her to home waters to live out the rest of her days was announced Thursday, which is today. Lolita's hopeful fate was announced at a news conference Thursday held by the Miami Seaquarium, along with the Florida nonprofit group of Friends of Lolita and Jim Irsay, the philanthropist and owner of the NFL's Indianapolis Colts. The Miami Seaquarium did not immediately respond to an overnight request for comment. Lolita, a southern resident orca, also known as Tokate, was pulled from the waters of Washington State in 1970 when she was around four years old. The orca, now believed to be around 57 years old, is the oldest in captivity. Lolita had fallen ill in recent years with the the company, then taking over the Miami Seaquarium. Emma's Leisure announcing last year that the roughly 7,000-pound orca would no longer be put on display in the Whale Stadium. At the time, Miami-Dade County Mayor 
Daniela Levine Cava said she was, quote, hopeful that this transfer, transfer of ownership will usher in a new era of accountability, end quote. In June, an independent assessment found that Lolita's condition had improved. Southern resident orcas, which spend several months of the summer and autumn every year in Washington State's Puget Sound, were added to the endangered species list in 2005. The southern resident population has fluctuated considerably since the 1970s with pods reduced during 1965 to 75 because of captures for marine parks, which don't get me started. The population was 75, 71 whales in 1974, and which was the first year individual animals were counted and peaked at 97 in 1996 before declining again to 79 in 2001. Animal rights activists have for years advocated for Lolita to be moved back to her home pod in Puget Sound, with groups like People for Ethical Treatment of Animals taking this aquarium to court over her captivity. Quote, if Lolita is finally returned to her home waters, there will be cheers from around the world, including from PETA, which has pursued several lawsuits on Lolita's behalf and battered the sequarium with protests demanding her freedom for years, end quote. The PETA Foundation's vice president and general counsel for Am animal law, Jared Goodman, said in a statement Tuesday, quote, if the sequarium agree agrees to move her, it'll offer her long-awaited relief after five miserable decades in a cramped take tank and send a clear signal to the other parks that the days of confining highly intelligent, far-ranging marine mammals to dismal prisons are done and dusted, end quote, Goodman said. Which is like, yes, absolutely yes, Jared. I stand by that. Get those whales out of the tanks. They don't belong there. And I will die on that soapbox. That's it. That's all I've got. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. This was Humor Me This Part 2. Tune in next month for Part 3. And we will see you then. Take care of yourselves. Be kind. Free the orcas. Do all the good things. And treat yourself nice. We'll see you soon. Bye.